you're with us for the first time or you've been with us for a few times but you don't know who we are, my name is Mark, this is Cathy, we're the part of the leadership here at Freedom Church and uh, it's always an honour and a privilege to share um, from this, this, this position. Um, so this week we're going to share, we, most of you should know and if you don't know, um, that's fine too, we have been to a couple of conferences over the last three weeks. Um, we went to a place called Bethel, uh, Bethel Church in Reading, uh, that's in California, North California, uh, and we went there for a, a what they call a uh, Leaders Advance Conference um, for three days, so we're going to show a little bit about that, um, we're going to show a lot about that actually, and then we came back and then we went over to Manchester and we went to what they call, well it's Audacious Church and they had a culture summit, so we had two conferences in quite close kind of time scales to one another, we just about got over um, uh, what do you call it? Jet lag, thank you. Uh, before we had to go over to Audacious, but it was wonderful to be in two s- uh, different but the same kind of environments. It was, it was that that'll that'll become clear in a little minute. So a real privilege. Now, um, basically, uh, it was it was absolutely outstanding. It really, really was. Um, I, I've said to some folks as I've kind of told the story of, of those, those couple of weeks, it was good to be invited over to be a part of it because it helped me settle a few things about how I felt about, about Bethel Church and its ministry and, and what, it's, what it's doing for the church at large. And, and I can't actually vocalize what it settled, but it, it just did. Something just settled in my heart. And actually, I think what Bethel are doing and the ministries that they're, they're pouring out to churches around the world is, is phenomenal. Um, there are two main things uh, that Bethel are giving out and, and helping churches with. And the first thing, and which is really strong, well, the, the two things are important to each other. The first thing is a culture of honor. So honoring, first off, his presence. So honoring the presence of the Holy Spirit and giving him time to manifest himself in whatever way he chooses to do so when they get together as a church but also honoring his presence in people's workplaces, in people's schools and colleges. So taking time each day to really appreciate the Holy Spirit and how he's going to speak, what he's going to do, how he's going to work out the things he wants to work out in your life. And so, one of the, so that's a massive culture, cultural thing they're doing, which is honoring. But they're also honoring one another as well. So much honor flying around the place, you know, just of, of not only the church leaders and, and of which there was a lot and it was amazing to see that and within that group as well, um, but also just to one another and just to the church members and everything that was a part of that. Really, really good. And together with that, they have a massive culture of revival. They expect revival to break out. Now, you can have lots of definitions of what revival may or may not be, but for me, it's quite a simplistic one and, and, and you could get more into this. But it's, it's, it's just experiencing the presence of his Holy Spirit and seeing it manifest, seeing him manifest himself in lots of different ways and breaking out, whether that's... Because you can have revival in, in yourself. You can have revival, you know, in where you work and what you do. You know, just, just the, that presence just, just outpouring itself into those that you connect with. Or, as we kind of expect a lot of it, it's revival in churches and in, in arenas and in, in areas, in cities and in towns. Just the Holy Spirit just very visibly doing things. You're seeing healings. You're seeing prophetic words come alive. You're seeing all sorts of stuff. So revi- uh, a culture of honor and a culture of uh, revival, which is very, very powerful. In fact, when you walk into that church, the Bethel Church, for me, it's just tangible. You, you, you can almost touch it. You can almost feel it. 
Um, I, again, one of the things that you just can't explain unless you're there. That, that, that it just, just settles you. I mean, if you talk to anybody in Bethel, you know, even just to say hello, they'll pray for you and then prophesy. You know, it's one of those things. You can't get away without somebody prophesying something over you, um, which is brilliant. What an amazing atmosphere. So there's the two things there. Kath, do you want to just share uh, just a little bit about maybe the first day that we were there and what happened? I'm thinking about the, the lady, Alexi. In the restaurant. Okay. Um, well, I just want to say that the things that I really picked up on um, were, um, as part of that culture of revival, was the prophetic within that. And um, yeah, like Mark said, you know, someone would just say, hey, I just want to bless you. And it wasn't like, oh, now I've got a prophetic word from you and I'm going to go into, you know, prophecy mode. But it was just as part of that blessing and that prayer. Um, God would be speaking to that person and then they would release what God's spoken and it's just so natural um, so that's one thing that I really picked up on um, and then um, just a real um, connection with people a spirit connection so you know you go the other side of the world and yeah you know the culture's different and there were many cultures there actually many nations represented among the leaders there there's about 800 people and um, but we were we kept bumping into these um, two couples from Seattle, and um, they are part of the Church of Nazarene. And um, it was really interesting how we just because you know big auditorium, you know lot going in and out all the time for breaks and stuff. But we ended up just crossing paths with these these two couples, and they were amazing. And um, you know they just really blessed us. They were interested in our story. We were interested in theirs, and we walked away feeling like we'd known these guys for ages. And there was a, just a real. Obviously, we are the people that God's made us to be, but there was a spirit connection there. And I thought, yeah, this is kingdom. You know, we can connect in that way with our brothers and sisters, um, people who you know we haven't got a shared history together. Um, but we know Jesus, and we want transformation in our in our worlds, um, in our world and our worlds. You know our spheres that we're in, and um, that just that just blew me away, really. And you know you don't have to go to Bethel to experience that, but it is just so it's so much a part of when they gather people, that kind of environment that they create, I guess, and the people who were drawn to that. Um, so that was great, and um, and the culture of honour. So honouring God's presence, what what He's doing, the focus is, you know, Jesus at the centre. Um, one thing that Bill Johnson, who's the um, senior leader there, said, um, the message isn't Bethel. The message is the king and his kingdom. And I think for us being able to go, you know, you can hear the name Bethel, as in Bethel in Reading, and you um, get it through other people's lenses. You know, we're always getting things, communication through other people's lenses. And to be there and to experience for ourselves, you know, it was just great. And it really is, it's not about the name Bethel. Um, it's not about putting Bethel on a pedestal and saying everyone has to be like this. But they are stewarding um, the culture of heaven. Um, and God is blessing it and he's allowing them influence in the world, the global world. Um, so, yeah, that was really good to hear that from the horse's mouth, as it were. Um, so, yeah, the, um, the first evening, we, so I think we got in off the plane. I hope this is not boring, this information for you. But we got in off the plane, and we sorted the car out, and drove, Mark drove. He did amazing. I was really glad that it wasn't me that had to drive. Um, and um, we went to register. So we dumped our bags at the hotel, went to register that night, and did that. And then um, 
um, the worship was had started and so we you know we wanted to be there obviously we wanted to get as much out of it as possible um but we were feeling really tired really hungry um in worship i was telling john and kate i'd like close my eyes and i feel like i was going like this and it was nothing to do with the holy spirit or anything i just felt like i was still on the plane and just feeling really sick anyway so we decided let's go and get something to eat let's go to bed early and be fresh for the next morning so that's what we did so we just found a random kind of diner to go to. And the lady, the, the girl that um, seated us, um, she was called Lexi. And um, she obviously picked up on our accents, everyone does, and asked you why you're in town. And in fact, when we picked up the car, the guy said, oh, you know, where are you off to? Um, and we said, well, we're going up to Reading. And he was like, why do you want to go there? It's like all roads end in Reading, you know, it's like nothing's happening. And we're like, well, actually, there is stuff happening and we're going to this big church. And um, anyway, this girl, Lexi, um, she seated us and she said, oh, you know, where are you guys from? We said, you know, the UK. And she said, are you in town for the Leaders Advance Conference? And we said, yes. And she turned out to be um, one of the students at the School of Supernatural Ministry there. Now, I can just say, it turns out that pretty much anybody who's working in a bar or a restaurant... (laughs) Uh, is is or has been a student of Bethel. <laughs> it's that that big. They have over two thousand um, students a year. Um, so that's in, they've got a three year program. So that's over the three years. So yeah, these students just descend on Reading, and um, yeah, obviously find work. Um, and this girl, we didn't have loads of interaction with her because she just seated us, and then we had someone else serving us. Um, but she had, we said, would you be around at the conference at all? We thought we might bump into her again. And she said, no, I'm going on a ministry trip, actually, with the school. So um, we kind of left it there. And, um, but God had really prompted me to just give her some money, just like 20 bucks, which is not very much, but just as a way of blessing her and, and just sewing into that ministry trip that she was doing. So we found her and we did that. And she said, oh, well, while you've been eating, I've been praying for you. And I've been asking God for a word for you, um, for something to encourage you and bless you. How many waiters do that in England? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and she said the picture that God showed me was um, of a tree, a weeping willow planted in a park. We hadn't shared anything with her. Um, and that, um, you know how the branches go over and and down on a weeping willow and that that was providing um, a nurturing place a safe place um, um, a place of um, what else did you say like a safe place a nurturing place be a protection Um, and as the branches were touching the ground there were offshoots and she said that's what I I see you as being you and you and your family um, so that really resonated with us because obviously we have moved as a church family to a place that's called East End Park. The park is a big feature of the, um, the neighbourhood. And um, well, we've moved to Richmond Hill, but East End Park's part of that. And, um, and just this sense that, yeah, we are here to do good um, to people in this community. Um, and that's not just us, but it's all of us together and so we took it to to mean that and yeah she just blessed us with that and so that was amazing just first encounter you know um and no what in, in east End park wow wow so it's interesting she picked that particular tree wow because god had called her right 
Uh, I want to say actually, at this point, um, some of you want to share that the, as, as a church, I spoke to you guys a number of weeks ago about, you know when I talked about doors that we're not having to push and God is just opening them? And one of those things that we, we, we thought about as a family is we're looking to move to East End Park and to plant ourselves in East End Park to really say to not only the, the community but to you guys, we're serious about this mission. <laughs> we're serious about it. And what has happened in those number of weeks since from there to, to now is uh, the church got offered to, to a house to buy. So after looking at it, after checking it out with the trustees and everything else, we're actually buying a house in East End Park. So the church is buying a house in East End Park. And we're going to rent that house from the church. So it's already out there in the wild, so I don't mind sharing this with you. But I just think for, to go the other side of the world, almost, it felt like it anyway, and for somebody to say, you are going to be planted in East End Park and you are going to be a place of protection a place of, of, of influence where you're going to reach out from beyond that as well. I just thank God for that. You know, we, we are, as a church, we are taking the right steps. We are going in the right direction. And it just makes me very, very excited for our future. Yeah? Good. Good. Amen. I mean, you can ask me more about that afterwards if you like. But I wanted to get that out there to let you know that is the process. Now, we haven't concluded that process yet, um, but I can't see any problems with that. So this is exciting. This is good. Okay. Do you want to continue? Um, then we went to sleep <laughs> after that. <laughs> um, the next morning, yeah, I'll talk about the next morning. Um, so we, we had, um, on, so it was, it was Wednesday night, all day Thursday and evening, and all day Friday and evening. And on the, um, the mornings of the two days, they put on two different kind of meetings, gatherings at 8.30 in the morning. So we went from like 8.30 till 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. Um, so it was pretty packed. But that morning, um, I don't know if any of you have heard about the kind of uh, one of the offshoots of Bethel, which is called Global Legacy. Um, they run a number of things um, in Europe, um, in Leicester, with Ian and Marge. Um, and it's really to gather people. And who are Ian and Marge? Sorry, Ian and Marge are our good friends in Leicester. And they've been up. Hands up, who doesn't know who Ian and Marge are? Don't know who Ian and Marge are. Okay. Um, Okay, so Ian and Marge. Ian um, is recognised as somebody who has an apostolic uh, call on his life, and you, uh, a number of you know him. Um, he used to uh, lead when it was City Church Leeds, yes? He's very tall and he's got a Welsh accent. He's very tall, yeah. Yeah, I think bald, and he's got him. a Welsh accent. Yeah. And he's a lovely man, and, and, and Marge is a lovely woman, and they happen to be married. Uh, and th they, are, they are very definitely speaking into us as a church, uh, as he's been up a number of times and they're also very definitely speaking into us our life and some it's a couple that we we hold ourselves accountable to so that's who invited us along to Bethel okay so global legacy so um, basically it was an invitation for anyone who would come over from the UK and Europe um, to just gather together to hear Paul um, a guy called Paul Manwaring he's originally from uh, England and he ran prisons for a long, long time. Um, I think maybe like 30 years of his life, um, he was managing prisons and running prisons. Um, so, um, yeah, God called him out of that very specifically. And he has, even though he's living over in Reading and he's very involved with what Bethel are doing, his heart is for Europe. And he has a burning passion for Europe. And he really communicated that. And... 
Um, there were people there from Germany, Norway, Sweden, I think, um, Spain, the UK. Grantham. Grantham. <laughs> yeah, we hooked up with a, a couple from Grantham, which was great. Um, and probably a few places that I've forgotten. But um, we just heard what was on people's hearts for Europe and what God was doing specifically in different areas. And, and Paul said that God is very definitely joining the dots across Europe and the, the ones we can see and also the invisible ones. And for me personally, I think we can become like this. Even just in our own lives, yeah, it's my life. Um, we might think a bit broader to, yeah, we're here in East End Park, Richmond Hill or Leeds. But really, I felt like I went from this to like this. You know, God is a big God, like Mark was saying, and he is on the move He's on the move. He is, he is doing stuff. He's bringing transformation, not just in Europe, but all across the world. And I just got really excited. And I, yeah, I guess God just um, opened my eyes to a, a much bigger picture. And, um, you know, so I, you know, I'm praying for Europe. I'm not just praying for our little area and our city, although I am, or, or our nation, but Europe, um, because there is you know there's a flicker of flames and it's going to catch um can i can i just comment um i mean this is very much connecting with the next conference we went to which was um in our audacious church in manchester um but paul manwaring and those around him and quite clearly we picked up that spirit as well that he believes with all of his being that 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 revival is coming to europe in 2016 that in 2016 europe is going to see a sweeping change of how the church is and how it operates and how how it affects society uh, a reformation a second reformation as it were you know stepping out of religiosity and into a very active move of the spirit across europe and he feels that with all of his being and, and to be honest with you i've, I've picked it up as well I, I can believe that uh, flick forward very briefly just to audacious church in manchester we had a guy from the church called the church in las vegas benny perezzi i think his name was yes, yeah. Perez, uh, and he said to us the last evening that he was there, he said, I just have a burden for Europe, and I believe that 2016 is going to be a year of revival. We're just going to see God breaking out in all sorts of different and wonderful ways. Now, if you've heard that before, uh, and you think, well, you know, it's just, it's just a word, and I want to, I want to ask you now, just, just, to, just to break your cynicism, and just to open your heart to what God can do, um, if we believe it will do, across our amazing continent. And so things like the Paris attacks, things that are happening that aren't healthy and aren't good, I think are the enemy's way of trying to break up that, of trying to get our attention focused in on what he's doing rather than what God is doing. And again, just to push forward to Audacious, there was, there was the, uh, they're part of the Assemblies of God or Audacious Church, the Assemblies of God Network, and they had their chief guy there. And he got up on stage and shared this. I'm going to share it with you. He said, he told the story of a professor uh, who had a, a classroom full of students who were about to take their exams. And he said, look, before you take your exams, I, I'd, like you to, I'd like you to fill in this sheet of paper. I'm going to give you a sheet of paper. I'm gonna, and, and in a moment, I'm going to ask you to turn it over. Uh, and it isn't for your exam or anything. It's just to help you get ready, to help you focus. So he gave them all a, sheet, a, a white sheet of paper. And he said, right, turn it over. So they turned it over. And as they turned it over, they saw just one very small black dot in the middle 
of the page. And he said, right, you've got 15 minutes, go. And they were curious, well, what are we doing? What's, what's this thing all about? Anyway, so they went ahead and lots of the students went ahead and did what they thought they needed to do. And so he took the paper in after 15 minutes and he started looking at them. And the students had gone, well, this black dot is so many centimeters away from the edges. This black dot is a certain shade of black. If you had so many thousands of black dots, this is how many would fill the page, etc." And he said, what's interesting, guys, is that you've chosen to focus on the black dot and not the free and wonderful space that is around it. And, and, and that's what we've got to be careful of as we move into 2016, not to focus in on the black dot, but to focus in on the freedom that we have in Christ and the freedom that he can give others across our nation and across Europe. So let's not focus on the black dot. Let's focus on the white space. Mm. Um, just coming on to the, the next kind of session, it ties in with what I said about there, are, there is um, you know, uh, a flickering flame, a small flame that's... There are ones being lit all over Europe. Um, Danny Silk, who is um, somebody, he's not actually living in Reading, but he's very connected into Bethel Church. And um, he was talking about, uh, you know how Americans, they, they love all like old buildings and castles and stuff. And he was talking about Europe and he loves coming over to Europe. And, um, and he said, but what he'd noticed is that so many buildings have chimneys. But what he doesn't see is any smoke coming out of those chimneys. And um, I think it was maybe like a grand kind of estate house that he went in. And he said um, something, I think he was maybe joking, but he was like, oh, you know, do you not light the fire or whatever to keep it like warm for people looking around or some, something like that? And they said, oh, no, 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 it's just for looks, just for looks. And he said God really spoke to him that um, these chimneys were built for a purpose, and that was because there was a fire there. And he said what he senses is that there are a lot of chimneys where the fires have gone out, and um, they need to be relit, and they need to burn. And um, I was thinking about how God is moving across Europe. It starts with us here, all over. It starts in a locality, you know, with a small bunch of people who love God, who are hungry for God, who want to see transformation and restoration. and um, Who are yeah. prepared to light their fire. Yeah. Relight your fire. <laughs> you know, are you going to relight your fire? It's a challenge, personally and as a church. Are we going to blow on those embers and let that fire roar and actually see the smoke coming out of the chimney once again? So um, it's, a, it's a challenge, isn't it? That let's, let's get those fires lit and let's, let's just not look at the fireplace and go, oh, look at it, isn't it wonderful? What a really ornate and wonderful fireplace that is. But let's not light it. No, 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 no. Let's use things for the purpose that they were... They and were it's keeping it stoked. He said, this is a direct quote that he said, he said, we have a fire to preserve. So it's not just about lighting, it's about stoking it and preserving it. We don't want a city full of chimneys that we can't use. We've got to keep the momentum going. Um, so, I mean, you know, we, there, were, there were a number of um, kind of sessions we went to, uh, and, and all of them helpful in, in lots of different ways. Um, the one that, that spoke to me was probably, in fact, out of all the sessions, it's probably one I was most, weirdly, most disappointed with. But 
there was one particular thing that was said in it that, that, that spoke to me probably more than, than anything else. And it was, it was a session about creativity, about media and all that kind of stuff. And obviously I was into, I'm into that, so I want to know, well, how do Bethel do it? How do they work it out? And they've got various people. They've got Hollywood producers that now work for Bethel. They've got a guy from ITV that came over to work for Bethel. Uh, and the guy who was a former Hollywood producer, he, he, you know, he gave up a lot to come into ministry uh, and to help them with their media and all that kind of stuff. But he said, you know, it, it is, yeah, he said he believes with, with all his heart that um, the creatives in the church are going to be the ones that move it forward. The creatives in the church are going to be the ones that move it forward. And then what he did was he said, but we're all creative. <laughs> we're all yeah. creative. We all, we, we all have God living inside us, for those who believe. And we have a creator God who created the stars we see in the sky to the molecules that make up your body. You know, what an amazing creator God we have. We've just got to let it out. We've got to, we've got to stop being so sto- uh, stoic and, and, and rigid and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Actually, just, let's just start to be free. Let's start to really tap into that creativity that we have in, inside us. And for some of us, it's very obvious what that creativity is, whether it be music or art or media or anything like that. But for the rest of us, there are other ways in which we can outwork our creativity, whether, that in com- whether that's in conversation, in the way that you do, you do work, in, in lots of different ways. I'm sure if you ask God, he will begin to tell you what it is that he wants you to do and how creative he wants you to get. Um, yeah. Um, one of the sessions was, um, so the other 8.30 in the morning session was for um, senior leaders of churches, and there was a panel there which was... Um, couple of the senior leaders of Bethel and then the um, actually Bill Johnson's son who's taken on the local um, congregation with his wife and another guy and um, they were talking about transition because we see Bethel and we hear stuff from Bethel as it is kind of now but they have been particularly over the last four years they have been in a real time of transition and um, work not um, just the senior leaders handing on to you know, the son and daughter-in-law, but working together to move forwards. Um, so it's really interesting because you can see you can see Bethel, again, like through a lens, but all this stuff that they've been walking, all the, you know, revival culture, the culture of honour, it's all come from about a 30-plus year journey. And now we, we reap the benefits of that and of what they've gone through in the transition that's happened. So, um, But one thing that really caught my attention was... Um, can't even I think it may have been Bill Johnson, I can't remember. But it was talking about um, hunting for rattlesnakes. And um, the, um, I think it was a friend of his, they were, they were going together and the friend wasn't really up, up for it. Um, but he was like, well, where, would, you know, where do you look for them? And he's, he said, well, anywhere where you find um, rocks that have come apart and there's just a nice kind of like wet, dark hole um, or it could be dry, but dark hole, they will be in there. And he said, um, God spoke to him about about that. And that wet, you know, because God talks about us as living stones, the Bible talks about us as living stones that God's building together. And it's where there's separation and where there's distance that the enemy can get in. And um, they're in their cult- culture of honor, they they keep people close because they don't want the enemy to get in between and to find a place. So that means they're very honest with each other. They, you know, they value each other, they honor, they love, but they're honest and they're real about 
where they find themselves, but because they've got the foundation of love for one another, of value, of honour, they can speak about things openly and honestly, and it doesn't give any room for the enemy to get in. And that really struck me as, you know, I want us as a church family to, to live like that, to be like that in our own families, in our wider family, um, because we don't want to give a foothold for the enemy because he, he wants that. You know, he is out to divide and conquer. But, you know, if we, if we stay close, if we allow God to build us as those living stones together, you know, the enemy hasn't got a chance of getting in there. Brilliant. Um, can I just have a look on, yeah. on there? Um, I, th- I suppose it's important to just let you know about Bethel. They are kind of, there's kind of four different ministries that are happening with Bethel. So you have Bethel the church. So you have Bethel the church, which... Um, is there for the, the local people generally of, of Reading um, and it is big and it is large um, but they have they very definitely have that and, and Eric is the one and his wife are the one that are taking on the local church. Then you have the movement of Bethel which uh, can be described as global legacy. That's, the th- that's, that's how do we share the culture that we have uh, found uh, that God has anointed us with over the last 30 years. How can we share that with others? And they do that via global legacy. And then you've got um, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and that's the 2,000 students uh, or so that, that go there every single year. Uh, and in, in, in the UK, in our locality, uh, the, the places where you'll find kind of that Bethel School of Supernatural stuff being worked out is in the Presence Church in Harrogate. Uh, and also Buttershaw Baptist Church in Bradford. So they're two localities that are close-ish to us uh, that begin to work out this, this kind of teaching that, that they give via um, the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And then the fourth one is Bethel Music. And I've got to be honest with you, Bethel Music, uh, the, 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 the worship there was, of course it was excellent. You know, of course they've got people who can be employed to be full-time musicians and, and they've got lots of media and all that kind of stuff. So of course they can do that. But nevertheless, the Spirit of God is all over it. And, and the music they're creating, compared to what it would have been a few years ago, where I'd have thought it was quite me-centered, actually they've gotten a real progression and, and it's very much Jesus-centered. It's very much seeking after His presence. Uh, in, in up-tempo and down-tempo kind of music, but it is, it is amazing, and, and Bethel music is, is, is anointed and it is going somewhere, and, and I think it's absolutely uh, wonderful. Um, I forget kind of why I started to say that now, but um, I just wanted to give you uh, what Bethel is, and you know, we will, we will begin to tap into some of that. We're not going to become Bethel Church. I think Kath has, has said already, we're not going to become an offshoot of that. But why wouldn't, wanna we, why wouldn't we want to know more about a culture of honor? Why wouldn't we want to know more about uh, a culture of revival? Why wouldn't we want to know about kind of how, how do we... Uh, um, how do we work out this, 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 this thing that will lead us to revival? You know, so in a lot of ways, we will start them. We'll let Bethel kind of influence all the, the, a lot of stuff that we're doing from now on. But we are Freedom Church. Yeah. And we have our own mandate. We have Luke 4, verse 18, 19. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed us, hasn't it? You know, he's, to set people free, to see the blind see and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we will be Freedom Church, but we will let them influence us. And again, I, I bought some books over there from Bethel that I'd, I'd love you to buy and to take on board and to try and get into some of that culture uh, that they're giving out. And you'll get that from Marge and Ian as well when they come up. And they'll, be, they'll, just, they'll just share that. It'll just come out of every, every pore. Um, here's a few kind of quotes that I got from one of the sessions I was in. I can't remember which one it was. But when a movement stops moving, it becomes a museum. When a movement stops moving, it becomes a museum. Let's not be a museum. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving forward. We've moved forward. We've moved 
quite dramatically to a different place and a different, you know, different area. But we're going to keep moving. At no point are we going to settle for this. We're going to keep moving. Every, I think every place is going to be a stepping stone to something, stepping stone to something greater. So let's not ever become a museum. Are we constantly talking about what used to be or what we can become? Are we consistently talking about what we used to be or what we can become? I'd rather we started talking about what we could become rather than what was. Okay? Let's, 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 let's dream big. Let, 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 let our vision be cast wider than what in the natural would seem impossible. Because nothing is impossible for God. So let's dream big. Every generation has a culture to blast through and so on with every successional generation. So those of us of various generations that are in this room, be supporting the generation that has come after you. And let them lift them up so they can go further and farther than you ever thought possible. And that is a culture of honor. You're honoring your legacy. You know, when, when I, I was so taken with that that when I came back um, and, and, chat and, and saw our kids again, which was, which was, we were blessed amazingly by Pete and Pat, our, our, my in-laws, looking after our kids for a week. But I sat them down and I said, guys, you are our legacy. And, and we are moving to East End Park so you can continue that legacy. So I don't want you to think that you're being dragged along with your parents. Actually, it's the Kelly family together. And together we are building something for our personal future as well as the future of the church of which you are a part. Um, um, <laughs> how we've done it isn't how they'll do it. How we've done it isn't how they'll do it. So how your generation has done it isn't how the generation to come will do it. So there'll be some things that you won't like. I remember Nicky Gumbel, just to cut away, Nicky Gumbel at HTB Hall, Trinity Brompton in, in London, um, when he was a student, they were, they were desperate to get rid of the lecterns, in, uh, not the lecterns, sorry, the, uh, the pews in their church. Desperate to get rid of them. And it went through lots of various parochial council meetings and things, and all the older people going, but we want our pews. Our pews are really important. It's a sense of blah, blah, blah. Anyway, eventually, Nicky Gumbel and the rest of the students got their way, and they got rid of the pews, and they got seats in. And how wonderful is it to have seats in? And then just in recent few years, the students are coming to Nicky and going, we want to get rid of the seats. And Nick is going, but I, love, but I love the seats. The seats are so useful. We get them out. We can sit on them. They're seats. They perform really well. But they want the space to, to really express in their worship to God. And they want to get rid of the seats. So it's going to be a challenge to every single one of us. You know, when the next generation comes along, or indeed if the next generation is already here, you know, um, just, just, just honor them, love them, care for them, be supportive. But let them run the race that they're supposed to run with our full Support And I guess that's the same for us as well, for you that are older than us. Help us run our race with your full support, you know, with your wisdom, with your guidance. But let us run the way that we're supposed to be, supposed to be running it. We are going to wrap up okay. in a couple of minutes. Right. Well, I'll just tell you about the very last session that we had, um, which was with a guy called Sean Boltz. And oh, he goodness. is from... I think he's from California originally, but he is in um, LA area, Los Angeles area, and he is um, a prophet. And I, we have never ever seen anything like what how he functioned as a prophet. And um, he had a kind of corporate word for everyone that was there, which was because it was for everyone, it was quite general. But then he had spent time with God that day and had some notes on his phone about seven or eight kind of individual words for people. And um, they weren't vague 
words and the way that he, you know, this is a room of 800 people, 800 plus probably, and he had names, dates of birth, um, street names, all kinds of different things to identify the people who God had then given him a word for. And it was it was astounding. So to give you an example of that, I mean, he didn't know the people. He hadn't done any research. And your cynicism button's going to have to be flicked because he didn't. All right, he, God had downloaded this stuff to him and put it in his iPhone. And so, for example, it's the first thing he said. He said, right, Mr. Ross and Titian. Mr. Ross and Titian, they're the two names I've got here God has given. Can you stand up? And guess what? Mr. Ross and his wife Titian stood up. He didn't. Guys, that's supposed to, you, wow. That's wow. That's not, I'm going to sit there with my arms crossed and go, well, just prove to me that the prophet, just blah, blah. That's amazing. You know, and then he said, oh, and, and you're born on this day, and, 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 and you're living in this area. And I think, was that the one where we were describing the streets, or is that another guy? That was the last one. That was the last one. Okay. Uh, so that was another guy. But, you know, uh, he, he did that in so many ways. There was another one. I'm just giving some brief examples. I know you'd love me to go into more detail. But there was another one where um, uh, he, he said to the guys, right, you know, he gave, again, by name, they stood up. Um, and uh, he said, right, God, you've given up a business. You've given up a business. And God's saying, really, should it, I want you to resurrect it. I want you to pick it back up because what you had to come in that was a fortune. There was a fortune to be had in that. He says, very specifically, he said, there's a fortune in that and the guy said um, Sean can you just hold on one second their surname is Fortune and he's like, he's like well that's great and thank you Jesus but I is and he, he just went on to tell them about their business uh, but the reason he did that the reason he was so precise and so specific was that all of a sudden their, heart, their hearts and their minds were open to receive because we can get cynical in the West and, and all of a sudden it's like wow that cannot be anything but God speaking directly to me and then so then when he'd opened their hearts and their minds, he went, this is what God is saying. And they were open to receive. There was at one point where he went, um, is, there a, is there a Mark, Anna, and Kath? Kath went, oh, Amy. You know, no, it said, it said, no, it said, there is a Mark, and Amy. He said, can you stand up? I'm like, oh, dash and die. I was fine with that. Um, <laughs> My uh, heart just started beating yeah. quick. <laughs> but, but, you know, it was, it, I've never... I've never seen anything like that since when I was part of Spiritualist Church. So I used to go to a Spiritualist Church many, many years ago. Um, I don't recommend you do that. I'm just telling you. Um, and, and, you know, the, the source of which they get their information from is not God. It, it, is, it is from the enemy. Uh, but it does sound good, and it does make you feel good, and it does make you feel nice, because he wants to reel you in. He wants to shadow what God does. Um, Obviously, I've been released from that for many years now. Um, but here I am, sat in an auditorium where a guy is doing pretty much the same thing that I'd seen many years ago. But I know, without a shadow of a doubt, that his source is the Holy Spirit. Yes. And it just it blew me away. And I said to Kath, I went, that's it. So I said to Kath, you know, I'm happy for you to prophesy there's a new season. And I'll receive that, that there's a new season. But how many of us are fed up of hearing about new seasons? You know, we, 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 we want some nitty-gritty, don't we? We want a little bit more to work with than just, it's a new season. And so I'm praying and I'm believing that as we go on this journey, God will begin to reveal to us in much more detail than we've ever experienced before. Yeah, what struck me was, it wasn't about the man, you know, Sean Bolts. It was the Holy Spirit, because he has cultivated a way of life um, in terms of hearing from God for others. And he's been obedient in that. Um, 
God has used him. And what was, for me, what really struck me was that, wow, God must love those people so very much, as he does love us all. But he wanted to give them a word in season for them to bring encouragement, to bring action in their lives. So, you know, they, they could be proactive. Um, I, you know, it just, I was like, God, you, you love us so much that you would tell a man specifically who to pick out. And that was, so it was, it was a wow kind of moment that, you know, there was all these things that identified these particular people. But what was behind it was God wanted to show his love in those moments, in those words for people and just help those people and give them um, a sense of, yeah, just blessing and um, direction in their lives. Um, And I just want to tell you about a book that Sean Boltz has written. It's called Translating God. I've actually ordered some, Kath. They will appear on the table in a few weeks. It's Translating God, Hearing God's Voice for Yourself and the World Around You. Because, you know, we we can all tap into God's voice. You know, he's not just picking the ones and twos out. And yes, we all have different gracings for different things. And people do have a prophetic gracing. It's one of the gifts that the Bible talks about. But we can all hear God. We can hear God speaking to us for ourselves. Because often we just ask God for something for somebody else, but he can speak to us for us for our families and for our church families and you know how much love can be shown um, when God speak to, speaks to us specifically about people we don't even know yet people who are strangers but God just drops something into our heart and into our mind that we can communicate with them and just show them God's love so yeah right and, and, and just to tap into that as well the, the thing that Beth will do you know it's a place to step out and risk stuff it's a place to step out and, and speak prophetically and if it's a duff one, it's fine. Because generally words are encouraging and uplifting. So even if it wasn't a prophetic word, it was encouraging and it was uplifting. But I'd love us to have a culture where we can take a risk, where each one of us can take a risk and, and step out, whether that's prophetically or creatively or something like that, and know that you have got our and everybody else's 100% support. And if you mess up, that's cool. We, ju- we, just, we just tidy up the mess, we work it out together, and we move on, and we get stronger because of it. So let's be risk-takers, shall we, in, in both the supernatural and the natural. Let's, let's move forward in everything that, we, that we've, got to, we've got from God. We can walk in his blessings. Um, one of the things I love, I'm going to end with this, and then we're going to do something pragmatic together, um, is when you walked into the auditorium for each session, they had three or four people just stood at the door, and as you walked in, they would just lay your hands on you very quickly, and you would walk in, and they would bless you. That was so good, so uplifting. I often went out and in again three or four times. <laughs> Seriously, you think I'm joking, but I'm not. It's just, yeah, all right, I'm back again. Yeah, come on. And, and just, just to lay hands and bless and just impart something of God to me in that moment. When, and the thing I felt was just at peace, just, just lovingly at peace. Um, so we, I, I, you know, d- rather weirdly, I do think Sheepy has got an impartation of what Bethel is. I generally do. You know, things. Let's let's start. Let's start thinking that that God does does things in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways, and that He can imbibe His presence into things and into objects. And in, in Scripture, you know, there's the little prayer. Um, 
uh, cloths, you know, Paul and all that kind of stuff to take home and to, to lay on people and what have you and to see them healed. So God can do that. I'm not suggesting I'm going to do anything with, with sheep. I'm just saying open up your expectations of what God can do. But we've been imparted just by going there, just being in that atmosphere and by people laying hands on us. Three times we were told that we were people of joy. The first time we got told, I'm like, no, I'm really miserable. Uh, and and, and it, was, it was a prophetic thing they did. And afterwards, you're supposed to kind of give them one out of five as to how spot on you think they were. And I'm going, well, let's give, give her a three. She's like, you know, I'm not joyful. You know. Anyway, we then had two other prophetic over the next few days. And two other people just say, look, I'm just feeling joy. There's just joy coming from it. I just want to sit near you and experience the joy. So we, we I mean, isn't it, mate? We want, we want to be joy carriers. You know, we want to carry that joy of the Holy Spirit, and we want to impart it to you and to other people. Um, and and we, we're going on a journey now to explore what that actually means, you know. Does it just mean I smile more? Does it, does it, does it I don't know. Do, do I put nice aftershave? What is it, you know? Do I, you know, Kath, Kath, Kath went through Scripture after we came back, and, and on a Bible reading thing, it just went about, about 50 bits of Scripture that just have the word joy. In them. Um, we are so thankful and grateful that we got to be, um, got to go. Um, and yeah, I just want to tell you that, that um, I, I speak for myself, I came back a different person um, and I felt strengthened and empowered and encouraged. And um, as leaders, that's really important. Whatever sphere of leadership you're in, it's important for us all to have input. But um, you know, I just so valued um, being there and was so blessed by being there. Um, so I just want to say thank you for sending us. And um, I know that um, the family will reap the benefits of what we learned there and how it changed us. And um, yeah. In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we, we love. love.